Thank you, Lord. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. We're so grateful. We're so thankful uh, tonight that we serve the living God. Nothing better. Nothing better. No one better. There's none like you in all the earth. Uh, we're so thankful. You're the one that turns graves into gardens, seas into highways. God, you're the only one who can. So many situations, so many circumstances that you're the only one that could change them. We're so grateful and thankful for that power of the blood to redeem, to make whole, to set free. We thank you. Your blood, Jesus, has never, ever, 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 ever lost its power to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to make whole, to prosper, to bring salvation to all those that would call upon the name of the Lord. That blood is sprinkled in heaven right now on the mercy seat. That your mercy would triumph over judgment that should come into our life. But you bore that judgment on the cross in your own body that we might obtain mercy. And in obtaining that mercy, we might find grace, your empowerment, your influence, your favor to walk in a newness of life. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you that you're right here in this place. We thank you that you are in every home. We thank you that you are in every life that has declared Jesus as Lord, that you came to take up residence, to lead us and to guide us, to bring healing and deliverance and freedom, but also to anoint our life, that we might go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring deliverance to those who are held captive, recovery of sight, to those who, are been, who have been blinded, that we might bind up the brokenhearted, that we might declare that the debt has been paid to those who are living in the debt of sin. We can declare that their debt has been paid, that Jesus paid the price, that they might be born again. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for anointing every life. Grant unto your servants boldness that as we live in this time, we'd be bold to speak your word, stretching forth your hand, that signs and wonders might be wrought in the name of Jesus. Tonight, grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light, that we might know what is the hope of your calling, that we would stir with a great expectancy of things to come as we walk out our life with you. And we'll give you the glory and the honor, the praise and the thanksgiving for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Once again, good evening. We're glad that you have welcomed us into your home, your car, wherever you are watching this service. We are uh, thrilled to be with you tonight. I believe God is doing some tremendous things in the earth. I believe he's doing tremendous things in your life. As the word of God says, that he is working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And when we know he's working in us, we work together with him to work out all the attributes of our salvation with a reverential fear because what God is doing is so much more awesome than we could do anything without him. And so that very work that he began the day that you made Jesus the Lord of your life, God plans on completing it until the day of Jesus Christ. So you're in the middle. You're in process, as it were. God's expanding your capacity. God's doing something great, and he's working to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, that full manifestation when we see him in glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you all can be seated. Hallelujah. They thought I was going to start preaching and not let them 
uh, be seated. Uh, as the PSA said, uh, next week we're going to get together and we're going to spend some time here. Amen. Uh, and that's a very exciting thing. We've been waiting for that, and uh, I know that you have been waiting for that. We're going to do it just a little bit differently. As the PSA said, I just want to remind you as you're watching, we're not, we're not coming back. I know we, we, we talk about this. Our, our vernacular, our terminology is very much like when we get back to normal. But I really encourage you to stir in your heart that we're not just trying to get back to normal. When we come together, it won't be like normal. It'll be new. But uh, we don't want to just come back. We want to come back with a, a refreshed desire. We want to come back with a fresh heart revelation because God's been working in us. God has been doing something in us. If God hasn't been doing anything in you, man, it, he's never done. And so just continue to focus on him. But to understand and, and to just uh, uh, understand some things. You know, the Bible tells us to uh, really be diligent and to understand that, that things were accomplished for the the people of old, they obtained promises through faith and patience. Through faith and patience. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we have uh, come into our culture and our society uh, because of... Uh, just a minute, y'all have to, have to help me. Uh, I'm just working on my thoughts. Got a lot of stuff going on right out here. It's, it's a little bit distracting for me in, at this moment. Praise the Lord. But it's by faith and patience that we inherit the promise. So God's doing something... And so we want to have faith, yes, but we also have to have patience. God's not done with us yet, and God's not finished. And so uh, just, you know, instead of getting in a rush like society would say, let's just get back to the way it used to be. We're not looking. God's not moving us backwards. God is moving us forward. And he's working something bigger than we know, and we've been talking about that. And I really want to continue some things that we started last Sunday night, uh, and uh, we carried throughout the week somewhat uh, in our take 10, because it really talks of revival. It talks about an awakening. It talks about understanding what God is doing, but it also brings us to a place of change. Uh, uh, you know, you may say, well, you're talking about that. I'm already there, but uh, many people aren't. I, I'm not there yet, but God really wants to do a work in us, and that in work and that in calling is to be like Jesus. In order to be like Jesus, we have to change some things. We have to put some things off. And so Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, it says, Behold, I will do a new thing. And now, now, if you're in your home, just say that now. Now, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I mean, he's asking this question as he's prophesying. God's going to do something big. And if you don't know that God is doing something then you need to connect with God because he wants us to know it. He wants us to see it. He said, I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God's making some pathways for us. God is opening up some fountains for us. I believe he's talking about a moving of God's spirit in Isaiah 35. He said these, these roads in the desert, they would be highways of holiness. Highways of holiness. I believe it's a time for the church to begin to walk in a different way, to talk in a different way that distinguishes us from the world. That there's a purity and an authority to what we say. There's a purity and an authority to our actions that people begin to say, how do you keep yourself from giving into that? How do you keep yourself from saying those things when everybody's talking? How do you keep yourself? Well, because God has come into my life and I've set aside the things of this life and this world which would beset me and I'm purifying my heart. I'm purifying my life so that I can really be able to minister to those who are caught 
in dry places. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter. Again, uh, really, if you have hearts and everything on, on Facebook, just go ahead and put applause or hearts or something like that for our technical team. And, and we have so many, many things going on right now with our tech team. And in all of this, endeavoring to continue to get you live stream and get better, we working on getting better. And then we, we found out some of our equipment is old. And so putting better, putting new wine in old wineskins doesn't work. And so... You know, Jesus said that about wine, but putting some new programs on older computers is a little bit like putting new wine in old wineskins. It just overtaxes its capacity. And so we've been having, they've been doing a great job. They're moving around. Even when I said it, there was a little distraction, they're moving back and forth, uh, trying to make things good and right. But I will tell you tonight, no scripture is not their fault. It's my fault. We're going Sunday night raw. Uh, no words on the screen. You have to get your Bible out, and uh, we'll just look at our Bible today and just take it like we used to. Get your notes out, get your Bible out, and uh, it won't be up there for you. We'll look at it by ourselves. So, First Peter chapter one. We're going to start in verse thirteen. It says, "Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind." Might highlight that, underline that, put a star around that, whatever you can. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope or your expectation fully, fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, there's some powerful statements there. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll process a lot of this. But he basically says this, if I can paraphrase this for you. He said, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober or be serious, be focused, and rest your hope or rest your expectation fully upon the grace that is in a revelation of Jesus Christ. If you have any revelation of what Jesus did for you, there is great grace, there is great favor, there is great influence, and there is great ability that you can rest your expectation fully upon that right you need to look at that meditate that not rest a little of my expectation not rest my church expectation not rest my ministry hopes and expectation but to rest all of my expectation fully 100 percent on the grace that is given to me upon a revelation of who jesus is Verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming ourselves to the former lusts or the former desires as in our ignorance. In other words, he said, when you were under sin, you didn't know except for to desire the things of the flesh. But now that we've been made spiritually alive through the grace of Jesus, through a revelation of what he did, we no longer have to desire the same old things that the flesh had to desire, but we can set our desires on something higher and something greater. We're no longer ignorant. The light is shining upon our hearts. We have the word of God to bring revelation of what Jesus has done. He said at the revelation through the word of God, we rest our hope fully on that. We don't go back to the old man and the old desires. Verse 15, it says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. 
There used to be church, the church used to talk about holiness, and we kind of got away from the holiness that we saw because we thought holiness in, in human terms or, or, you know, just being holier than thou because we've done outward works kind of got old. But God is talking about a holiness that comes at a revelation of who Jesus is. He's talking about a holiness that is apart from the lusts of our flesh to fulfill the desires of our flesh, that we were ignorant when we were doing that, but at a revelation of Jesus. We see the beauty of holiness. We see that holiness brings us into a place with no guilt, no shame, no regret, that there's a purity, there's a transparency, there's a going back to what we talked about this morning. In the garden, they were naked and not ashamed. And there's a place where the Bible says, and it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, it says that the word of God is alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder or penetrates asunder between the soul and the spirit. It goes on to tell us that everything is naked and open before him with whom we have to do. In other words, God sees everything anyway, but wouldn't it be wonderful to say, look it, it's all been cleansed, it's all been washed and now my heart, my life, my thinking, my conduct has become holy. It's become holy. Not because of what I've done. It's not a holier than thou. But it's because he's holy. He's opened the door for me to be holy, washed and cleansed. Turn over to verse 22. He goes on to say this. It's talking about that. You can read it. He's talking about how we've been changed in the incorruptible seed of the word of God. In verse 22, he says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So he says that purity really comes from a place of a sincere heart, a purified heart. How do we get a purified heart? By obeying, obeying the word of truth. Turn over to James, the fourth chapter. Just want to launch into this. James, the fourth chapter. We'll start in the seventh verse. Before we get into that, I'll just give you a commercial message. It's a little bit how my mind works, which is why I, I, I apparently skipped this this morning. But in our message this morning, I gave three points of how you can become more familiar with God's Word. The number one point was receive the Word of God. The number two point was embrace it as truth. And the number three point that I guess I missed was to meditate on the Word of God. So I was informed today I never gave point number three. I believe that I did, but if you are a note taker... And didn't get that, finish up this morning. Now, back to this evening. <laughs> Praise the Lord. James, the fourth chapter, says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I mean, that's an amazing promise. Isn't that an amazing promise? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. You double-minded. We're beginning to see a theme here concerning holiness, and that is a purity of heart. He talks about purifying 
our hearts, but then he adds into this double-minded. Where we were looking back in 1 Peter, the, uh, the 13th verse, he talks about that sincere love. He starts to talk about this purity of heart and your mind. We've not been born again of corruptible seed, but the incorruptible word of God. And sometimes we think of holiness just in a manner of, of looking holy from the outside. But God says in order to purify your heart, you have to do something with your mind. In order to purify your heart, you have to do something with your mind. And so sometimes we're trying to work on the inside while we're allowing our mind to do whatever it wants. So turn over to James, the first chapter. James, the first chapter. We're going to start in the second verse. It says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, I know if you go to New Creation Church, you probably have this highlighted and underlined, but it's going to come into play even later in the message because these writers always talk about the testing of our faith. And to understand that the testing of your faith or the purifying of things is done generally by fire. And so uh, it's not always pleasant. When we talk about holiness, the end result of holiness is beautiful. It's, it, it brings a great rejoicing. It brings greater freedom than we could ever imagine. It creates an outlet of greater power than probably we've ever sensed in our life before. That a life that is pure, a heart that is pure and holy before God is a generating place of the power of the living God. And so when we look at it, but you don't get to that place of holiness without going through some testing, without going through some fire, without doing some repenting, you don't get there. And we'd like to say, you know what, I just want to read this for a moment and feel like God forgave me and I'm holy. But you have to grasp on to the forgiveness of Jesus. You have to let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. You have to lay aside. I have to lay aside the weights that are besetting me. I have to come to Jesus with those weights. Come unto him. If I'm heavy laden and I'm wore out and I'm burdened down and I feel like it's too hard, and bring it to him and he'll take all those cares and then he'll give me his yoke and his burden, which he says is light and easy. But until that time, I'm dragging things along. I've got to re bring those weights to him. I've got to put them off and cast them off. The things that you're carrying around, the things that have built up over the number of years, the guilt, the regret, the habits, the, the, the just hiding things in dark areas, they'll start to weigh you down and keep you from moving forward with God, even though you want to. It's like, I can't do it. But God says you can do it. You just have to start unloading baggage. You have to start cleaning house. It's a wonderful time of spring. We get to do a spring cleaning. And we might as well understand there is a move of God. There's a fresh breeze. When we talk about spring cleaning, you know, when I think about it, you know, the spring starts and we start cleaning stuff up. You start cleaning the yard up and all of a sudden, you know, at our house anyway, the doors are open. You come in, it's like fresh air, pollen, not only outside, but inside. 
I mean, it's just, it's like a fresh breeze. And God says, I want you to open up your hearts. So there's a moving of the Spirit of God. There's a fresh breeze moving through. And I want to move it through lives and do a spring cleaning where, where it comes in. We don't have to keep the doors shut. We don't have to keep things hidden in our life anymore. But we can open it up to God. And he comes through in a fresh wind of the Spirit to revive and to refresh us. And to give us an expectation of what purity and holiness looks like in the eyes of God. It's an awesome thing. Verse 4, he said, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach. And it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. He says, listen, if we go back to, to Peter, he says, you got to purify your hearts, you double-minded. you got to cleanse your heart. Here he says, if you're double-minded, you're unstable in all of your ways. In other words, you're always on shaky ground. It's like you're unstable. You're on that sand, that shifting that Jesus talked about, that a man that builds his, his life on the sand, something that's unstable. When the storms of life come, the hurricanes of life come, it'll blow that house down. When you're double-minded, it's easy. Easy when trials and testings come for your life to just seem to go apart. But when you're built upon the rock, when there's a singleness of heart and a singleness of mind, you're stable and the storms of life come and they won't knock your life all over the place. But you'll remain standing. You'll deal with the situations of the storm and you'll come out the other side lacking nothing. Double-mindedness is not where we want to be in this day, in this hour. As we said this morning, there will be many voices telling you what to do, and there will need to be a focus. There will be need to be a place. When we begin to ask God for direction, he's going to start talking to us about ways and things that we've not yet quite seen or yielded to, and we can't be double-minded. God, I want the answer, but I want it to be my answer. We have to be to a place where we say, God, I want the answer, and I want it to be your answer. And whatever your answer is, if it's to run and walk around the city for seven days, and the last day, shout. As much as that seems odd, I want to do it your way to see your power manifest in my life. Turn over to Romans, the first chapter. We might get to a few points, or this might be what they call a shotgun message. Or when you get done with this message, you might feel like a man in a barbed wire fence. A point here and a point there. Praise the Lord. Romans, the eighth chapter. We're going to talk just a little bit about this double-mindedness. But to recognize what he's talking about when we talk about double-mindedness. He says there, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All right, he's talking about two things right now. He starts right off with this. There's no condemnation. You know, some years ago, we had to grasp that, that just that part of that phrase. There's therefore no, no, no condemnation. Because we had people in Christ Jesus who were still living under condemnation. But to understand what he's saying, there's no condemnation for you if you are going to pursue Christ and his holiness. 
But if you are going to remain in the flesh, sin brings with it condemnation. Nobody has to condemn you. Sin brings with it condemnation. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, he condemned sin in his flesh or in the flesh. Verse 4, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now you have to start tracking with me in a serious way. Here again, he brings up these two things, the flesh and the spirit. You're not dealing with condemnation if you're going to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. He said Jesus did a great work so that we could not walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit or according to the spirit. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh do set their minds on the things of the flesh. If you're going to walk according to the old nature, driven by the soul and the desires of the flesh, your mind will always be on temporal things, fleshly things. It's just that fact for you and for me. If I get caught in the temporary, my mind will be on temporary things. It'll be consumed with temporary things. You say, well, pastor, then what are we supposed to think about? You understand this. When we walk in the Spirit, so I'm just trying to, to, to relate and to understand, well, what about the temporal things? I mean, we need to eat and we need to drink and we need to do all these things. What do you mean we're not supposed to set our mind on them? Well, Jesus cleared this up. Don't you love the Word of God? It's truth. He knows everything. He said, I, already, I know the temporary things that you have need of. I already know those. If you know me, then you know, just look outside. Look at the grass of the field. It doesn't toil or spin. Look what I do for the flowers. Look what I do for the sparrows. They have earthly needs, and they just are taken care of. He said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you'll seek first the rule of God in your life and the right relationship that he's created through Jesus Christ, all of these things will be added unto you. In other words, he's saying if you're totally concentrating and setting your mind on temporal things, they will come and go. But if you set your mind on eternal things, God will lead you through day-to-day life and supply for your daily needs from an eternal perspective, not just a temporary perspective. So if something happens today that seems like it's not right, I'm walking with him, which means I go through that and I come out the other side. He said, but those, they set their mind on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, they set their mind on the things of the spirit. Here, now we have two places that we set our mind or, or we concentrate or we set our focus on Two different areas. That means double-mindedness. I want everything for my flesh, but I want everything for the spirit. We begin to understand from the scripture that the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. If they're contrary to one another, and I'm giving all my attention to the flesh, but I want spiritual things, they're at war. You will be unstable. And God wants us to have stability. He wants us to be on a firm foundation for our life. He goes on to say to be carnally minded or to have your mind simply on things of the flesh. To be carnally minded is 
death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. He said, listen, you're going to be tempted to be, have the mind of the flesh, to go back to the flesh, but you don't belong to your flesh anymore. He goes on to say you are no longer a debtor to your flesh. When your flesh says, listen, we deserve some stuff here. You don't owe your flesh anything. I don't owe my flesh anything. Jesus is the one that died and redeemed you from the old carnal fleshly nature, that the lusts, the desires that are temporary, that separates you from the very life that God has intended We don't owe our flesh anything. We don't owe our flesh the thoughts and the minds and the desires that pull on us. But we do owe our spirit at least this much to feed it with the word of God so our spirit man has a chance to grow and to take ascendancy because Jesus gave his life for us. Colossians chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, I know these are scriptures that we've gone over and over and over, but I I just believe what the Apostle Peter said, though you know them and you're established in them, I need to put us in remembrance of these things right now. Right now. I can guarantee you that as you go out of your house tomorrow morning, you will be bombarded with information. You'll be bombarded with voices. You'll be bombarded with what about tomorrow? What are we going to do? What do we need to do? What's, what's not in the freezer? What is in the freezer? And you'll be immediately tempted to just get into the flesh and think about temporary things instead of God's got this and begin to think about what the word of God says about our life and our actions and our conduct. We begin to just gravitate over into things that just sweep us away because they come at us so fast and furious. So one thing, I, didn't, I don't know that much about all those movies, but I do know one thing. They shift gears a lot. Right? And when you get out in the world, it's like fast and furious. One day it's one thing, another day it's another thing. It's like you're shifting gears all the time just to keep up. Chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. And he goes on to talk about fleshly things that he talks about. He said, listen, this double-mindedness creates an instability because you want what the temporal things of this world have to offer, but you also want the eternal things of the Spirit. And we have to understand that the eternal things of the Spirit are all encompassed. Though we're in this world, we're not of this world. God has a plan for us to be right here in the midst of it. And when the world is looking for things that don't satisfy, they're temporal. All of a sudden they find out there's a dryness to it. There's not a satisfying to it. He's making roads in the desert and fountains in the dry places. How's he doing that? I believe he's wanting to do it through us, the church, that highway of holiness. We will be a fresh look. We will be a fresh 
uh, uh, breath of air. We'll be a fresh anointing, a fresh water flowing into dry places where people have said the old life, the life of this world is not satisfying. How are you satisfied in your life? It's because I've laid off the weight. I'm not carrying around all the comparison and all the things that I should do and all the things that i got to have and all the ways that i got to keep up. I'm just staying with God. And so as you probably, many of you already know, but we're reminding us today because tomorrow you'll be attacked, you'll be tempted, you'll be tested in your faith, in what you're thinking about. I'll be tested. What's my mind on today? What have I focused on today? What's in me today? What have I placed in me that is churning and coming out today? We want to remind ourselves the way that we begin to understand and get our mind set and focused intentionally on this one thing is renewing our mind. Turn over to Ephesians, the fourth chapter Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the 17th verse. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. That word futility means this, transientness. Transientness. It means morally depraved. It means a, a vain mindset. Vanity means useless. He's saying, listen, the, the, the Gentiles, they have a transient mind. Today it's on this, and tomorrow it's on this. Today this is the popular thing. This is what my mind's on. And tomorrow that changes. There's something else that's popular, and this is what my mind's on. When the next big story comes up, the news media, somewhere this coronavirus will go away at a new story because the minds are transient. They're going everywhere. He says, don't. That's futile to go here and there and get your mind on everything. He said, don't do that. Don't, have your, don't walk in this any longer. Amen. Don't go from this place to that place and wander around and walk in this uselessness or this transientness of your mind. Verse 18 having their understanding darkened. They're being alienated from the life of God. Why? Because their mind is running all over the place and it's not able to focus on God. And that's what the world is trying to do. It's trying to distract. It's trying to get our mind on everything else. Praise the Lord for, for the technology and stuff. But listen, I'm just going <laughs> to encourage you. I'm going to get hammered. Um, this stuff, the little one, the big one, the flip-up one, Listen, if we're not careful, this is distracting you to transientness of mind. Every day, every way, something new, something different. Somebody's doing something different over here. Somebody's doing something. It distracts our attention. When this is the first thing you pick up to find out what everybody else is doing, instead of the Word of God to find out what He's doing, we're going to get in trouble. When what everybody else is doing and checking up on it is more important than what God is saying in our hearts, we're going to get in trouble. It's not going to be holy. It's not going to be separated. It's going to be mingled with all those thoughts. I thank God for technology. There's a lot of things that we thank God for, but if we're not careful, they dominate our attention and our life. And in that, they become a perversion of what God intended. 
Okay, where was I? <laughs> Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. In other words, when you get so temporal, you just need more money to meet the immediate need. And what seemed like I'm just trying to meet a need gets to be greediness to have the next thing. Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. If we've learned Christ, we've learned something. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, the desires that you have that are tricky, right? They seem good, but they don't go the right direction. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How are we going to get a focus of heart? Be renewed in the spirit of our mind. That we put off, we put on a new man, which was crea created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The new man, the born again man, was recreated, born again. You are a new creation. I am a new creation. And that new creation is created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. Last week, we talked about walking in paths of righteousness and getting on this highway to holiness. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Again, something, if you're here at New Creation Church, I know that you know. But we need to keep reminding ourselves, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He's talking about something, not just getting into the Bible and debating and saying, listen, I got a scripture here that says this is true. What he's saying is renewing your mind, and the impact of renewing your mind will cause you to begin to do something. And when you begin to do the word of God, when you begin to do the will of God, you are putting to the test the word of God that it absolutely is true for your life. And so you're saying, I've renewed my mind and my actions and my conduct are following my thinking according to the word of God. And when God says, forgive, it sets you free. You prove. That's just right. When God says, give and it'll be given unto you, I do that in obedience and faith and it's brought back to me and I've proven that it's true. When I walk in love, I begin to flourish in a way that I never dreamed possible. When hatred and variance and selfishness was ruling my life, I've just proven the love of God is the strongest, most powerful force in the world. He's saying you got to renew your mind, but not just study it so you can debate it, but renew your mind so that your mind now affects the way that you conduct your life, the way that I conduct my life. Sometimes we take just renewing of the mind to say, I've read that, I know that, I can even quote it to you. But it's not about having it in your mind and quoting it. It's about having it in our, in our hearts and living it. James chapter 1. How are we doing? We're, we're getting close to running out of time. I'm getting fairly close to being done. James chapter 1. Verse 21. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and with meekness. Receive the 
implanted or engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. See, we begin to say, what is this? How do I, how do I become singleness of mind? How do I purify my heart from being double-minded? I begin to have this singleness of heart. I begin to set my affection on things above. I begin to set my mind on this new spiritual life that I have. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 60 years, 70 years, or six months. There's new things springing up out of the life of God that is in you. There are new things that God is revealing. There are areas of your life that God is showing up that you can put off so that you become more and more like him. See, sometimes even we've been Christians for a long time. We say, well, this doesn't apply to me because, I, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. I don't need to be saved. But he said, listen, receiving this with a teachable heart, God will show up things that will increase us in the way we're going. And he says, don't just, don't just read it. Don't just think you have it in your mind, but be doers of the word because we can hear it and hear it, right? I'm culprit of this. I don't know. I can't say that you are because I can't judge your heart, but... I've heard it. I think I know it. I think I've got it. I can get excited about hearing it. I can go, woo, amen, amen. You know, we can run around the room with it. But by Wednesday, right, we can get excited about love. We can get excited about forgiveness. We can get excited about peace. We can get excited about uh, the wisdom of God. We can get excited about prosperity. Shout, woo, I heard it, I heard it. But come Wednesday... When tension comes, do we have peace? Are we exercising peace? Are we exercising joy? Are we exercising love? Are we exercising forgiveness? Are we doing the word? Or do we think because we've come to church and heard it, that it's ours? It takes that hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it's a command that we do the word, not just hear the word. And Jesus said that about the storms of life and being built on a firm foundation, the rock. He didn't just say those who listen to my word. He said those who listen to my word and do my word. See, the path to holiness is not just hearing the word. It's not just uh, mentally ascending to the purity of God and the cleansing of the blood. But it's the application of the blood to your heart, the cleansing, the obtaining of mercy, the finding of grace. To put off the old and to really live in and put on the new. To love the new more than the old. To cherish the new more than the old. Sometimes we're like, really? Do I gotta got walk in this purity? Listen, you'll never walk in purity as long as living a life of sin is more attractive than living a life without guilt and shame. Living in the purity that God provided, it'll be difficult. But once we say, listen, I think that this would be a better life than the way that I've been living. And embrace it. Because it is the place where the power of God flows from. When we want to walk together with him, Paul told Timothy... You can either be a, a vessel for garbage or you can be a vessel ready to be used by the master. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a gold plate with a filet mignon on it and asparagus. And whatever it is that you love to eat, whatever healthy food, whatever presented in a nice way, then be the garbage can. 
And God's trying to get that point across to us. Listen, you can take all the things of the world that people have used and left over and, 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 and been trashed by, and you can let that come into your life and just be a dumpster for the junk of the world. Or you can be a vessel, purified, washed, and ready to present the life of God to others. Do you want to be where they bring their leftovers? Or do you want to be the one presenting health and life and peace? And sometimes we resign ourselves to saying, I'm just going to take what the world has already done and what they've already processed through, and now they're ready to go on to something new, and I'm just getting in on it. They're dumping it on me, and we're just satisfied with that. God says, don't be satisfied. Purify yourself of all that stuff, and you'll be on the front edge of bringing life to others. That highway of holiness in the desert, bringing things that are pure and life-giving. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. In verse 7, you know, the Bible tells us that the purpose of the commandment, the purpose of commandment is sincere faith. Sincere faith. We wonder, why do we have these commandments? Because as we live according to what God said, it starts to do something with our faith. When we started out talking about this, we were talking about purify your heart, you double-minded. Purify your heart, you double-minded. If we are double-minded, we're thinking about the things of the world and we're thinking about the things of God, we're double-minded. We're asking God for wisdom, but we're double-minded. Our heart isn't pure. When we get singleness of mind, we look at the Word of God, we embrace the Word of God, we gird up the loins of our mind, as Ephesians 6 tells us in that spiritual warfare, gird up your waist with truth, or gird up the loins of your mind with the truth of God's word. Securely put the truth into your heart. Why? Because the truth is what purifies your heart. And when you put the, the truth in, when I put the truth in, and we're, we're focused on the truth and being doers of the word and not hearers only, we're not trying, looking at the day going, I, I, I'm not supposed to do this. I can't do that. Oh my gosh, I got to quit thinking that about those, that person. Person. Oh my gosh, I got I gotta think, I gotta think right. No, when you're embracing the word of God, you are thinking about that. It's about thinking what you're putting in, not trying to guard against what you shouldn't do, but putting the word of God in and doing the commandment with sincere faith. I believe this is the way God has for me to walk. So I'm not torn between the old man and the new man. I really love the new man. So 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Man, he said, listen, when you've been begotten of Jesus, you have a hope for today. A living hope of living in the life of Christ. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. 
And our faith, it's time for our faith to be revealed. We're in the last of the last. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, I don't know anybody out there, anybody in here, anybody recently been grieved by some various trials? (laughs) Right? Well, I don't know. Why am I doing this? Well, it might be necessary. It's not necessary unless it's necessary. But the church might, of necessity, needed to test their faith and whether we would trust God even in adversity like has come upon the world. That, he said, this various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, listen, Jesus is going to come. And when he comes to the earth, what did he say? When I come to the earth, will I find faith on the earth? He says, we trust he'll find genuine faith because it's been tested by fire. Just understand this process of testing. Number one, when you're talking about something that's pure as gold, the testing process is used, uses extreme heat. Extreme heat. In our culture today, we don't like testing. If it's uncomfortable to us, even in our Christian culture, if it's uncomfortable, it must not be God. But listen, God's going to bring you into uncomfortable. God's going to push your flesh and make your flesh say, listen, what are we doing here? We are crucifying you. We are putting you away. We're putting those thoughts out. We're cleansing. We're cleaning house, right? We're putting it by fire. We're going out to the trash bin, and we're burning the junk. Tested by fire. What happens when you test gold by fire? It's got impurities in it. It's got other things in it. And so they heat it up and they test it. And when they test it by fire, all the impurities start to come up and they start to bubble to the top. They, they come up. And they get what is called that dross on the top of it. What, what's happening right now? If you feel like, man, I'm just being tested. My mind's over here. My thoughts are over here. But I'm trying to focus on God. What's happening? The stuff that doesn't belong is coming to the top. You're realizing this doesn't belong in my life. This pressure, this doesn't belong in my life. These thoughts, this stuff, this anger, this bitterness, this unforgiveness, it doesn't belong in my life. So welcome the fire that's pushing stuff up and out. Why? Because we're looking for purity and we're looking for holiness. But it won't be comfortable. You'll say, man, this is hot. This is terrible, man. This is hot. Somebody turn the heat off. Turn the air conditioner on. God's like, just for a little while now, if need be, just hang in there. Hang in there. We got some impurities that haven't quite come to the top yet. Just stay in there. Stay in the fire just a little bit longer. Come on, I want to encourage you. Next week, people are saying, we're just going to open up. We're going to get back to normal. Listen, if God's dealing with us, don't run back and just say back to normal. We don't want to go back to normal. We want to come out in power, in purity, in holiness. 
We want to come out with a renewed love for God, a renewed fervor to be lights in the dark place. We want to recognize that we carry the light of the glorious gospel that shines on those around us, that their minds have been darkened by the God of this world. It says their minds have been darkened lest the light of the glorious gospel shine on them. How's the light of the glorious gospel going to shine on them? Because somebody who's accepted the life of God and the holiness and the purity shines. We're not tainted. We're not defiled. Our, our glass, so to speak, isn't muddied by sin so our light is dim but we've washed the glass we've cleansed it and now the light of the gospel shines right through our life to bring life to those who have been held in darkness so let the cleansing process work number two then you have to renew uh, remove <laughs> number one extreme heat number two remove impurities when all that bubbles to the top they take whatever they take and they shh, they take it off the top. As it starts to come up, you have to remove it. As God shows up things that need to be removed, you have to remove it. Otherwise, when it starts to cool down, your life will still contain the impurities. My life will still contain the impurities. But when we go through the fire and it's coming up and God's saying, this is what the fire's for, to recognize this, to put this out, get your action plan to get this moved out of your life. Repent. Number three, ooh, cameraman was blocking my clock. That's all right. Number three, after they get that off and it's pure gold, what do they do? They take that gold and they mold it for its purpose. Whether it's a gold bar, a gold ring, whatever it is, they mold it for its purpose. We allow ourselves to go through the extreme heat to bring the impurities out, to wipe it off, we are ready to be molded into vessels ready to be used by the master. So let's purify our hearts. Let's take the process of purifying our hearts, getting singleness of mind. We get that singleness of mind. We begin to put application of the word to life. We begin to find out our hearts are pure. Our conduct is pure. That we've removed the, the dross, as it were, and we're being molded into the very image for the very purpose God has for us. Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you. We glorify you. Thank you for working in each one right now to will and to do of your good pleasure. Holy Spirit, help us with this testing period. Help us to see what you're doing and what rises to the top that needs to be cleaned up and cleaned off that we truly might find the purities of our life that you have put there by the blood of Jesus, and that we might allow you to mold us and form us for our purpose. Do it for each and every one, that the church might come out for its purpose in this generation at this time, being the light of the gospel to those around us. Thank you for imparting unto us the anointing that we might carry the power of God in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Thank you for all that you're doing, all that you'll continue to do in every heart and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Been a little long today. Sorry, thanks for joining us. Say this as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Make it a great week.